That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. Today joining us is uh, former Indiana head coach as well as former Vanderbilt and uh, LSU head coach and current BTN analyst Jared DiNardo uh, to talk about the 2017 version of the Hoosiers. Uh, they were on campus last Friday to take a look at the team. Jerry, how are you? I'm doing great, Sammy. Thank you. All right. Let's, you know, look back at 2016. IU clearly had some issues, uh, you know, going six and six. They had some turnover issues. What was your main focus coming into 2017 to see what they have improved upon from last season? Well, you know, it was really more about, uh, you know, Tom Allen taking over and seeing uh, how much different it was going to be and what the differences were. Uh, and so, you know, that was really our, our main focus when we were on campus. You know, but it's a long season. We'll see we'll see how it develops. But um, they obviously know what they have to improve on from last year, like most teams do. And they just go to work in camp and try to improve on it. It's, Tom Allen was the head coach for the Foster Farms Bowl. Uh, he did a tremendous job as defensive coordinator in 2016. Uh, what opinions did you come away from – that one practice that he that he could show signs of being a successful head coach at the Big Ten level. Well, you know he's he's the opposite of Kevin. Uh, he micromanages the defense, and Kevin was micromanaging the offense. Uh, I think the players generally like him. They certainly responded to him as defensive coordinator. So I think that's the positive. You know, I think anytime a defensive coach becomes a head coach, there's always clock management issues, there's tempo issues, because defensive coaches are accustomed to reacting to the game, not uh, predicting or not uh, making the game go and tempo of the game. And so he's going to have to learn at some point the offense and know what he wants to do in certain situations. I don't know that he'll do that the first year, but I, I suggest to you a lot of defensive coaches start micromanaging the defense and ultimately – give up that duty so they can keep a little closer eye out to the offense. Right. And then he hired Mike DeBoard, who's a veteran offensive coordinator, to, to run the offense. What kind of impact will he have on this team, and, and what do you expect to see from the, the offense in general? How much different is it going to be from, from Kevin Wilson's offense? I think what they're going to try to do, Sammy, and I'm not too sure, you know, it's just one day of practice. I think what they're going to try to do is keep the run game pretty simple, or pretty similar, rather, and uh, change the pass game. I think the pass game is going to be more pass concepts as opposed to what's very popular nowadays, RPOs, run pass options, where the ball is snapped and the offensive line blocks for the run, but the quarterback, as he puts the ball in the, the running back's stomach, he looks at a secondary player. If that secondary player is supporting he actually pulls the ball and throws it to him. I think they're going to move away from those things. 
I think one of the reasons they're going to do that is they'll, they feel like it'll cut down on the amount of interceptions they had a year ago. So uh, the short of it is uh, run game the same, pass game's different. Going to that running game, IU has to replace Dan Feeney uh, and several other veteran linemen uh, along that offensive line. Uh, were there any young guys who, who stood out to you, and, and can this offensive line develop into something close uh, to what IU's had in the past? Yeah, you know, I, I don't have my roster in front of me. There were a couple guys you, I'm sure you know them better than I do in the offensive line that look like they're ready to go. They've got to replace some starters, so that's always an issue in camp. Whether they can be as good in the offensive line or, in in fact, in the entire run game because they've had some really good offensive linemen along with some really good running backs, I don't know that this year is the year that they're going to get back to where they've been the last couple of years. But uh, they certainly have some players in there that can eventually uh, fill the voids. It's just going to take a little bit of time. Uh, you guys are on the road. You've- You've seen Ohio State and Maryland and Rutgers. Indiana has uh, a bunch of receivers who I think are as good as any in the Big Ten. Uh, what do you take away from this receiving core, especially with Simi Cobbs uh, coming back from that injury last year after having played only one play? Yeah, you know, Sam, I, I think they're, they deserve that type of recognition as one of the best receivers groups in the country. Offensive line's got to protect Sudfeld, and, you know, obviously he's got to put the ball where uh, – not Sudfeld. He's got to put the ball where Lego – he has to put the ball where, where it needs to be. Uh, so there's a lot more to the passing game than having the best receivers. But if Richard can go through his reads and get the ball and be protected, you know, their pass game should be pretty good. With only seeing one practice, was there any differences you've seen for Richard Lego coming in uh, from junior college uh, to, to this year? Does he look a little bit more comfortable uh, in, you know, taking charge in that leadership role? You know, he does. You know, he's uh, certainly one of the team leaders. You know, he's he's in a different pass offense, so that's going to take a little bit of time. You know, you you, you get to a point where you just want to learn offense and offense and then they change coaches on you, but that's the nature of the college football. But the leadership part, I, I think you have a very accurate, he's taken on an active part of that. I think he'll be one of the leaders. We visited with him on the set. He had a great presence about him. And uh, I'd be shocked if he's not a major part of the team leadership. You recruited one of the, the best defensive backs to, to play at Indiana in, in Tracy Porter, and, and you were there during his freshman season. Uh, this year's secondary has had some real good pieces to it. Do you see anybody you know that can make an impact in the game like Tracy Porter did for his career at IU? Well, I guess, you know, most people would say fans, and I probably wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't disagree. Uh and the game has changed since Tracy played it. You know, there wasn't as many spread teams. It was just starting to come in. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're they're pretty solid on defense, as you know. And so, you know, Rashad, I would think, would be one of those guys, and I'm sure there's some more back there. Right. And, and going into this year, it's a transition year. How important is it for this program to get back to a bowl game and continue the momentum that, that Coach Wilson – uh, started. Well, you know, it's always important to get to a bowl game when you're, you know, a team like Indiana. But, you know, 
I look at it this way, Sammy. I I said when I got in the end, it was a 10-year project. Not that we needed 10 years to win, but to be on solid ground on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively, through the recruiting and the development process, was going to take 10 years. I consider Tom Allen's first year the seventh year of Kevin Wilson. And I say that because Kevin did a lot of really good things for six years, and I would expect that, Tom in season seven through 10 would be able to balance the roster because you, you just see what happens. You know, Kevin built the offense. Now the defense is getting better and the offense isn't as good. So give him three years and uh, consider it a 10 year run. And, you know, I think there's a chance that, you know, this thing's going to be solid on both sides of the ball. Right. And we all know Indiana is opening up against Ohio State at home. College game day is coming. And Coach Allen has called it the biggest game uh, home opener in school history. I don't disagree, but how do you, uh, you know, avoid building up that game so much and, you know, focus on the rest of the season once that game is over? Well, as you know, they're going to Virginia the following week. So that's, that's a bad two games to start as a rookie head coach at Indiana, but it is what it is. You know, I don't know that Tom is putting too much on the game. I think he's just stating the facts that it's a big game. We've got to get ready for it. I think when he says it's the biggest game in IU history, I think it's the fact that, you know, Ohio State has been competing for the national championship for a long time. Big Ten's not used to playing opening games. Uh, against conference opponent, it's a night game. Game day is there, so I think I think the environment and the circumstances around it make it maybe the biggest home opener uh, in IU history. But I don't know that the result of the game is the most important result of IU history. I just think it's everything surrounding it. If they win the game, obviously it'd be a huge win. If they lose it. You know, they better get over pretty quickly because they have to go to Virginia. And Virginia's been picked seventh in their division uh, in the ACC, and that's a game they certainly can win, but it's on the road. Yeah, and Bronco Mendenhall is, is, is a tremendous coach. He did great stuff at, at BYU. Um, and going back to that Ohio State game, how nice is it to see, you know, college game day coming to Bloomington? The, the fans are excited. You know, how, just how important is it for the program to have this kind of energy going into a season? Well, I think it's terrific any time you can say something like this is happening for the first time. And there's a reason they haven't been there before, and there's a reason they're coming. Now, part of the reason is Ohio State, but if Indiana had not had the recent success that they've had, I'm not sure that game day would be there. So, it's a, you know, it's a tribute to what Kevin Wilson has done in the last six years and what people expect Tom Allen to do. Jerry, we've talked a lot about non-conference scheduling and Big Ten moving to nine games, and you've mentioned Virginia is a tough non-conference schedule. Is there a way that Indiana in the future should schedule uh, to ensure that they get those needed wins to get to a bowl game and, and you know, up basically raise the floor of that program? I certainly think so. You know, Indiana has never had a philosophy – about the non-conference schedule. One of the years I was there, we played more away games than we did home games. And you look at some schools around the country, or around the Big Ten, you look at Northwestern. If you ask Northwestern what your non-conference schedule philosophy is, they will say, we're going to play a power five contract that has similar academics 
as we do. So they wind up playing Duke. They wind up playing Wake Forest. And then the next two games, they they somehow word it where if Northwestern's recruiting those other schools, the other two schools are recruiting, Northwestern should should have better players. In other words, it might not be power five. It might be, you know, a, a notch below. I'm, I'm, I'm in the bus right now. I'm going from Rutgers to Penn State. We had Patrick Hobbs on the set about two hours ago. And uh, coming off an argument we had at Maryland about Maryland playing Texas, which I think is a bad idea, I asked Patrick Hobbs, the, AD, the new AD at Rutgers, what's your philosophy for non-conference? And he said to build confidence in our team. Now, you figure what he meant by that. Sammy, because I've already figured it out. And so I like an athletic director that answers the question philosophically. And if you answer philosophically, then you make sure things plug in. Like if I ask a Maryland fan, why are you playing Texas? They don't really know. They say, hey, we want to play the best and all that. But they don't don't have a philosophy. So I would challenge any athletic director – especially someone that's in Fred Glass's situation, to answer the question, what's your philosophy to play in non-conference? Some, some ladies might say we need to make money. And, you know, that's usually not a good sign for a coach. So, anyway, uh, Ohio State, you can't avoid them. They're, they're a divisional foe at Virginia. Probably not a great idea. Right. And then they have FIU uh, there and Georgia Southern, who – runs the tricky triple option. Um, I think they've gotten better in, in their scheduling. There's not really a philosophy just yet, uh, but I'd like to see them, like you, Jerry, uh, schedule teams to where, you know, you know it's either a 50-50 game or you know you could win and have a shot, and, and I think that, that would be tremendous for the program. Uh, we'll get you out on this, on this final question. What should the expectations be? For this 2017 IU team, I think bowl eligibility is is where Tom should be his first year, and then as he goes through year two and three, and hopefully four and five, you know, a little bit better than that. Uh, you know, stabilize the personnel offensively and defensively, and uh, you know, try to get to a bowl game this year. That'd be three in a row. You're more of a historian of Indiana football, and I am. I don't know the last time that happened, but it sure would be good for Indiana to do that. It's. I don't think it's ever happened, and, and the last time they went to back-to-back bowl games was in the, the early 90s when you were at, at Colorado winning national titles. Uh, but, Jerry, thank you very much for coming on, and, and hopefully we'll get you on again and uh, drive safely out to uh, Penn State. Great time. Thanks, All right, that was Jerry DiNardo of the Big Ten Network. Uh, Thank him for coming on, uh, going over IU football with us. Uh, Interesting stuff uh, from him. You can follow him on Twitter, at Jerry DiNardo. You can catch him on Big Ten Network uh, every Saturday on on Big Ten Tailgate. I I don't know if they're coming to IU this year. Uh, They did last year. uh, But great stuff from Coach DiNardo and, and, and that crew at Big Ten Network. So, I want to thank him. Uh, remember, we'll have all coverage from fall camp on it uh, on at HoosierHuddle.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore Huddle. Uh, and 
keep listening to the podcast and subscribe onto iTunes. Uh, thank you and, and enjoy the rest of the day. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate.